Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 281. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, pretty good. All right. Good to hear. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Duncan Jones' latest Mute. Uh, it's out on Netflix right now. We'll also be going over some new releases in theaters, VOD, Blu-ray. We'll be going over some watch list stuff. The usual. The huge. Just going to do the huge. Why not? Let's jump into Mute, shall we? Uh, as I said, this is directed by Duncan Jones. I have a synopsis here. A mute bartender goes up against the city's his city's gangsters in an effort to find out what happened to his missing partner. This stars Alexander Skarsgård, Paul Rudd, Justin Theroux. Kevin, what did you think of Mute? <laughs> from a, from your your tone there, I have an idea of what you felt about it. Well, just I'm that sure, little I, bit. I, I'm, I'm sure. Something tells me we're going to be on the same page, but let's let's find out. Uh, one, I didn't know that this he was going to be Amish. Neither did I. That was a surprise. <laughs> Which, no, that doesn't work. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it made no sense whatsoever. I just, I didn't understand that. So, like, right off the bat, I'm just baffled. Just outright baffled that the mute bartender is also Amish. See. I don't know why. Like, why he had to be Amish. What was the idea there? See, the thing is, we we grew up in Amish country. You're either Amish or you're not Amish. There's no, like, kind of in-between. Yeah. And I... (laughs) It's just it's so weird. It just made no sense. Like, did he have to be Amish? I mean, the only reason that you would have him be Amish is because the little bit there at the beginning where they like to get his voice box repaired, like yeah, one against no. their religion. But you don't really need that. It could just be like they couldn't afford it. Yeah. Or it was just unsuccessful. Like, there was really no need for him to be Amish outside of, like, his woodworking, where, the, what, like, they showed some of his woodworking, which wasn't good. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's was awful. <laughs> and, I, like, I, I just had a really difficult time getting past that. Like, to have it be set in this, like, futuristic Berlin and then him be Amish. And then there's, like, that one... The one shot of like on the street where there's like three Amish guys mm-hmm. just like looking around like, what the hell? Like, I don't. It's yeah, it felt very weird. Why would the Amish be in the city? Like, it makes no sense for them to be in the city. There's nothing for them to do there. Yeah, you never see Amish people <laughs> in urban areas. They, they farm. That's all they do. Like, they're not going to adjust their their beliefs. And move into the futuristic Berlin. Yeah, they they avoid that that area as much as possible. They they live, they try to live outside of society. They stay in their own small rural communities, and that's it. And then this unstoppable Amish killing machine, which is just <laughs> even more bizarre. <laughs> like there was nothing. That led you to believe, like, this man, there's, like, no amount of training, nothing that would lead you to believe that he could just mow through Berlin's underbelly, you know? He's just a beast. He's just an Amish beast. (laughs) Which, what? (laughs) No, I I don't get it. It's just a really bizarre idea. It is. I I think the best part about this for me was the uh the moon Easter or I don't know I don't know if it was an Easter egg or a callback or what that one little scene at the beginning with Sam Rockwell yeah, yeah which I enjoyed but also at the same time I felt like it it was just, it was like unnecessary and it's just kind of like it felt a bit forced like hey you remember I made moon right 
I think yeah. it was just a fun. It's a good movie. Oh, there's a, there's a big fan base for that movie, and I think that it was just a fun little callback. Like, hey, this is in the same world. Yeah, like, it's in the same. This is this is happening. This is the Earth that he came back to. I think that's kind of cool, but at the same time, I was like, wait a minute, let's go back to that. I just want to see that movie. Like, that's the one uh-huh. I want to see now. I want to see exactly. all the Sam Rockwells living in this world. <laughs> that's what I want. I, I don't really care about Amish Alexander Skarsgård beating no. up on people and uh, and evil, evil Paul Rudd. Is it? I don't know if that's a spoiler. I don't know. Well, that's what I was wondering, too, like the the story that we have here the plot or whatever to me was wrapped up pretty early like you at least i thought you pretty much know what happened and then it just keeps going and going and going until it gets to the conclusion but like his partner i think you pretty much know don't you early on what happened to her yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's definite definite clues that they leave. Uh, you know, like the the text the text messages that he starts to get. You can put the pieces together there. And then there's one line that he says, like when Paul Rudd's like, "I think I think he's looking for so and so," and the guy's like, Justin throws characters like, "Well, he's gonna be looking real hard." Like yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, that's what I mean. There's <laughs> little, I mean. there's little clues that they that he definitely dropped. To and after he says that line, there's still like an hour and a half of movie left. It's <laughs> just like, okay, yeah, we know. Like this, we can speed this up. Yeah, but we don't. It, but it, we it, we didn't know the how and the why. Yeah, but even then, when they when they to get across the how and the why, he does this really clunky. To me, it was just a flat-out cop-out <clears throat> of the the flashbacks of, like, Amish Skarsgård having, like, oh, I'm kind of remembering things, which just, it just felt really clunky. Like, you're just, you had to put them in there to kind of cover up these holes in your narrative that yeah, you had, yeah. instead of just writing a good narrative. Like, he, he, like, somehow he remembered the, like, being being drugged and all of that stuff like it, it was coming yeah. back to him like oh yeah i remember being asleep and <laughs> yeah. paul rudd being in there and, and drugging my stuff and like yeah, i don't know it just the whole movie is clunky that's the thing the whole movie is actually when you when you look at it it's a mess the movie is an absolute mess through and through i mean from the first like 10 minutes you're like oh boy like this is this is gonna be a rough yeah. ride oh yeah this is gonna be a real rough ride and hell, it doesn't even really get going until like an hour in. Yeah, like a, an hour in, it's like a, it, like the it actually like kicks in and like okay, the, we're this is the goal, this is what we're moving towards, and you're just like, well, what were we doing for the first hour? You didn't really set anything up outside of like minor character introductions. Like I didn't really learn too much about these people. Yeah, like do, did it need to take an hour? And I love how it took Paul Rudd's character that long to figure out that Justin Thoreau is a pedophile. Like that he yeah. was that he was like a total disgusting perv monster. Like this Which guy also- this is like this is a guy like they 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 set it up like they they've known each other for years and years. They were in the military together. They, they served together. Yeah, they, they 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 knew each other like brothers. And it was like he's just now coming to this realization when and we, even, bef- we, even before that, like I knew, yeah, exactly. Just, <laughs> like it was very just, clear just from a couple of like lines from him. You're just like, okay, he's he's disgusting. I think he has a pedophile thing going on. Yeah, which again, that felt really weird. Like there was such an odd inclusion. It to was. Have. It was very pedophile. It was very weird, and they spent a lot of time on it too. Like that scene with uh, with him uh, and and the the young girl with the the leg, like that that scene yeah. and stuff. It, like they they spent so much time showing us that this guy's a monster, 
Well, but... then you have the then you finally have the confrontation with him and Paul Rudd, and they play it super serious. Like Paul Rudd is, you know, he's going after him. He's giving him an ultimatum. He's threatening him and all this shit. And then like five seconds later, they're like, "Let's go celebrate. We're best buds." And it's just like what? Yeah, and then. We're getting into, we're, I think we're getting into spoiler territory here, so I may, I may put just a like a spoiler tag on this because I think we're revealing a lot here. But anyway, he he betrays him like when they after he get after he hits him in the mall or wherever they are, and he has that run in with the security guard. Justin Throat like betrays him. And you're just like, what? Why? Well, he didn't even told him that he was doing this. Before that one, you know, he's been doing it for a while. And he tells Paul Rudd. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been messing with that bar, man. Yeah. And it's like, why is Paul Rudd still, still, you know, like, trusting this guy? Or even hanging out with him? Because they're, they're brothers, man. They serve together. I get. I don't know. They have a really weird relationship, the two of them. Yes. It's just it. None of it seems to make a whole lot of sense to me. No. But really, not a lot in this movie made a lot of sense to me. Like the decisions, no. the decisions that were being made. I was just like, what? And it also, I thought it was really odd for this to be. You know, this futuristic Berlin. And then to go with the odd choice of making him Amish, where he's like, he doesn't use any of the tech that's in future Berlin. And they don't really use that much tech at all in the movie, which it just felt, it felt kind of odd to make it this like sci-fi thing, but not really utilize. Yeah. all that much. I think the really the only interesting aspect to me was there comes a point where Amish Skarsgård has to he, he kind of utilizes some of the tech in the world to try and track her down. And the what I found interesting was is with his disability, like the tech didn't have disabilities in mind, like at all. Mm-hmm. It's just for like able-bodied people. And people that can talk and hear and, you know, like it didn't take any of those people into consideration. But that lasted like five minutes. Yeah, right. Exactly. Because it's weird that he like he he utilizes the the um, like dinner delivery uh-huh. service with the drones to find her apartment. But yet when he's trying to find her mother, he just checks out all the telephone books in Berlin. <laughs> yeah. And goes through like there. I'm pretty sure there was the internet in that library that you could have just used, and probably found it faster. I like, guess you he had did, the phone number. I guess he didn't know any better. <laughs> you could. I, I mean, that was I that was know. one thing I did kind of like. I liked the sort of following the clues and him sort of piecing together where where she was and going, you know, picking up the breadcrumbs. Like I thought that that was one of the more compelling aspects of the film i liked where that took him but just it it, as a whole it just was just not a very cohesive narrative unfortunately no and i also found it odd is when he starts like confronting everyone and beating them up with his bedpost that he has which was just ridiculous um yes there's this like big showdown where you know you've kind of seen this massive German bodybuilder bodyguard guy throughout the movie, right? And then it finally comes down to like a one-on-one with Amish Skarsgård and that guy, and he takes the robot leg, and then it just skips over that. Like it, it just why? Yeah, I, set it up as this like big showdown, and then you're just like, nope. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. There there were so many decisions made with this movie where I'm just like, what? Like, it, I felt the same way about the the Warcraft movie that Duncan Jones did, where it it, it was it, it felt so messy. Like, it just 
there were so many characters and not enough development of the characters. And I feel like, I don't know, like he's, when I look at his movies and I think about Moon and what a great movie that was, I'm thinking maybe the, maybe the reason that was so successful is because it was such a contained sort of isolated story. It was involving one, one character and he developed that character. And then I look at a movie like Source Code, which I thought was also really good. And that mainly focuses on Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And then, and then you start like, like Warcraft, you're dealing with kind of a big ensemble and, and then it gets, it has this kind of big sprawling epic narrative and that, and then it gets messy. It's like, he doesn't, he's not quite sure how to handle these kind of bigger worlds. And I, and I felt like that was sort of how it was in this one where he does build this interesting sort of cyberpunk esque world that I, that I like, and I like spending time in, but it's like what, what he does with it is just not enough. It doesn't feel like he's developing these characters enough and he's not really developing the story enough for me, for it to be very compelling. No. Yeah. I I think a lot of it comes down to like, maybe don't make your, the main character Amish. Yeah, it was I, just, I, I think, think it was, was. He got off on the wrong foot. He started off terrible. Like that was just a bad idea from the start. Yeah, I mean, that, even even him. yeah, that opening sequence too, like of him in in the water as a kid and like the the injury and all of that stuff. Like even that felt kind of silly the way it, it was yeah, shot. Like, and it just it just didn't really that didn't really work. And then like someone close to him just should have been like this, uh, you know. One note, how about you not make the main character Amish? Like, just, just make him a regular guy. Let's just do that. I like the idea of him being mute. I like the idea yeah. of him being mute in this world, this futuristic world where you don't have mute people because they have implants that can fix that. Like you said, <clears throat> when they, the, 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 the brief moments that they explored that where this is a world where many things are guided by voice and he doesn't have a voice. So he has to come up with other ways to communicate and to do what he needs to do. But eh, they didn't really do a lot with that. No, no. Like I said, they, they, they do like five minutes of it where you're like, okay, this is really interesting. Like, how is he going to navigate this world without his voice? And then it's done because he checks out a shit ton of telephone books and you just have this montage of him with his little magnifying glass. I also really wasn't (laughs) sure. I mean, maybe I missed something with this, but I wasn't really sure that Paul Rudd's actions were really justified, like what he ended up doing. Like, I get that he was trying to leave with, with his daughter and he was going to do anything and everything to to make that happen. But yeah, but <clears throat> what was there was a big, a big thing for me was is you have that going on, which he spends a lot of time with. But I never once got the idea that the mother was trying to get the kid back. Exactly. That's 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 what I'm saying. Like I didn't. Was she planning on? taking the daughter and leaving or like what what was happening with that because i never i never got the sense that that's what she wanted to do yeah i mean she never mentioned the kid once i mean maybe maybe at the beginning before she disappeared when she was kind of running around maybe that's what she was planning on doing was taking the kid and leaving and he found out and that's why he did what he did, but it still felt so uh, anticlimactic, I guess. It just, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, very much. So that's like, what well, that's what I mean. Like the whole basis of this is Amish Skarsgård trying to find his, his girlfriend. And early on, you, you have a really good idea of what happened. And then it's just keeps, 
drawing it out, drawing it out, drawing it out. And then it does this shitty, clunky flashback of Paul. This is what Paul Rudd was doing at this point in time, where you're just like, okay, so you explained everything to me, but yet we're still going to drag it out? Why? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many aspects of this movie that were just completely perplexing to me. Like the, and there was... Oh, sorry, go. The I was just going to talk about the extreme amount of violence that happens towards the end. Uh, first of all, great death scene with... Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we're just we're we're just going full just, on, full, full on spoilers now, but uh, Paul Rudd's death scene, pretty epic. I loved the uh, the gurgling. There's there's so much gurgling. I also, I enjoyed the him utilizing his um his uh, his ability to hold his breath for a long time. Yeah, that was awesome. I I liked that because I thought that was pretty. That's pretty badass to just, you know, hold someone underwater and just stare him in the face. Yeah. As you drown him. I liked that. <clears throat> but I early on there like there's the him doing his swimming his laps, right? And I thought, you know, with him not being able to talk, I bet you any money there's going to be a scene where he's frustrated and just full of angst and just he's going to be underwater and he's just going to scream and you're not going to be able to hear it. And I really hope he doesn't do that because that's going to be so ridiculous. And of course, in the midst of him trying to find his girlfriend or whatever, apparently Skarsgård finds time that he's like, I'm going to hit the gym. <laughs> yeah, I just do a couple just laps. Just got to do a couple laps. Just got to burn off some steam here. Do a couple laps. <laughs> so he jumps in, and the first thing he does is he just grabs the ladder and he screams. Yeah. And that's it. My prediction it. My prediction was that he would somehow get his voice at the end and utter one, one phrase. And uh, my prediction pretty much came true. <laughs> yes. Which was another, like, crazy... I, I mean, I guess I sort of understand why he did it, but the whole, like... Taking the time to perform that surgery and giving him the yes. voice box and all of that. Why? Like, I mean, I guess he because he wanted to hear him say he was sorry, but it's still, that's like, wh- what? Like, you're doing Why? all of this. You're performing this, like, major surgery on this guy, patching him up just so you hope that he says sorry? Come and on. Why would he say sorry? Exactly. Why? What? What makes you think that this guy's going to apologize for killing your friend who was a complete piece of shit? Why? When you're planning to kill the guy anyways. Exactly. It it, it made no sense other than so that we could hear Alexander Skarsgård utter a few garbled words at the end. Yes. And surprise, he didn't really have much to say. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's a dull uninteresting person that's like mediocre at woodwork i guess and doodles i those little the uh, the bear pictures were pretty good they're all right mm. i just uh, everyone was just so uninteresting yeah well i thought paul rudd's character was he, he was interesting but he was sort of an enigma in that he he, he was like I don't know. He's like bipolar or, or something. He, well, yeah, he's like it, manic I, phases, and and I mean, I did kind of enjoy his and uh, was it uh, just a throw? Mm-hmm. Like their like their chemistry together. Yeah, but like Paul Rudd, just he felt like he was in a different movie. I know he was there to provide some sort of like comic relief. The the comic relief was. It was okay, but he was such a shitbag character that you're just like, eh, I don't really want to laugh at what you're saying anymore because you're a f- shitbag. Yeah. And it, I just, it's this, again, so this, what is this, The maybe the one of the first ones 
of 2018 for Netflix, like their big releases, and it has that brand of next Netflix blandness it, to it. It does. It really does. Like when, like after I was done watching this, I was thinking to myself, "Man, I'm going to be really struggling to review this because I just have so little to say about it." It's just. And it's funny because you like you think you see like the trailers for this, you look at the cast, and you're like, man, this is this going to be a big one. It's uh, it's se- seemingly big budget. I don't know what the budget was, but it all looked very very high quality. Uh, but it's just there just wasn't anything there. I, I would much rather I I would recommend watching the other. Uh dystopian future Netflix show um, altered carbon. Is that the name of it? The one with Mm -hmm. uh, Joel Kinnaman. I would, I would, that one is so much better than, than this show, this movie. It's yeah, but does that, does it have an Amish protagonist? No, it doesn't. It does not have (sighs) Amish Skarsgård in it. No, I want to show it to my neighbors. I want to show it to my Amish neighbors. I doubt they'll. No, they, they'll, they'll be so confused. Take take an iPad over there with it, and like, <laughs> I just want you guys to see <laughs> what's happening here. I want to see what they're doing. Like, I know you don't know what an iPad is, and I know you don't know what Netflix is. No, they know. No, I know they, they know. know. I know, but but I just. <laughs> Just be like, what do you, what do you think of this? I would, I would. The movie set in futuristic Berlin. If I could get for some reason, you guys went back to the homeland to bring back like tradition or whatever. If I could get an Amish person on the show to talk about it, that'd be great. Like if I could find somebody that's in, uh, they're like I could rum, probably find it like a, a former Amish, like the the guy that built my deck. He's he was former Amish. Oh, yeah. We could find somebody that's on Rumspringa. Talk to them. Yeah. (laughs) It should be a new thing. Co-host. Every time it's Rumspringa. (laughs) Just watch some movies with them. I probably wouldn't. They'd be be seeing like some of these, you know, they'd be experiencing movies for the first time. Yeah. It it would be be interesting. interesting. They get their thoughts. Yeah. It would be very interesting. Uh, shout outs to Noel Clark for being in there. I was pleased to see him in there. I'm I'm a fan of his, but played sort of a minor character, but he was in it more than I expected. Yeah. Shout out to no one on my end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, let me, I'll just say, I like Alexander Skarsgård, but... I I didn't. I, just, uh, I didn't think. Oh, so I he didn't do a good job. He wasn't really given much to do, but it, like he didn't. He didn't wow me like where I was in like wow he's conveying a lot of emotions without being able to use words. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, I, it, it wasn't. It's just a, like, uh, oh, he's not talking. Okay, definitely wasn't a shape of water situation here. I wasn't like blown away by. The nonverbal performance. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh man, this is a really nuanced performance, not being able to utilize words. Like he's conveying a lot of emotions through gestures, I, the facial expressions. Yeah. But like you said, I think it was, it's more of just the character itself was, he just played this kind of stoic, yeah. bland nobody. <laughs> like, so I'm not I'm not sure that the the performance is on him or just on the on the directing and the script. Yeah. Well, that's mute. Let's go ahead and give it a score. What are you going to give it? <laughs> Man, I don't even fucking know. Um I got 3. I'm giving it a 3.5. Ooh. Just just <sighs> Skip it. Just just skip it. It it's totally not worth your time. Probably one of the one of the least enjoyable movies I've seen this year so far. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I I would say that I enjoyed this a little bit more. Actually, you know what? 
pretty much on the same levels. Cloverfield Paradox. Maybe I like. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Maybe one. I like Cloverfield a little bit more. Damn Netflix! I'm starting to think. You know how we were kind of throwing it out there. Are people going to be able to overcome that Netflix brand, or are they going to be taken down with it? And I'm starting to think they're going to be taken down with it. We still got a. We still got a number of, of big ones coming up. I'm just so. really curious to see what happens with Scorsese. Yeah. I read that I read that that one that one's starting to go like huge budget. I I read that it's at like 140 million dollars right now. Good lord! So it's if, if Netflix is able to take him over, you know what I mean to be the, like the dominant one. Yeah. In that in that pr- her production, then we know that Netflix is just a machine that will chew up anyone and everyone. You're just going to make mediocre, bland work. Yeah, see, it's funny because, like, right now, I'm still cool with Netflix. Like, I'm I'm still cool with Netflix. I still like Netflix, mostly for their series. But they haven't, like, angered me yet. I like Duncan Jones, but I wasn't... He's not, like, one of my favorite guys, you know? Yeah. But once once the, like, the... We talked about it before. The Gareth Evans, Jeremy Saulnier... Martin Scorsese. Once, once these three come out, if they're bad, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm, I might have to just drop my subscription or something. You're just gonna be pissed. Yeah, pissed off. No, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep my subscription, but I'll just be a total hypocrite and like bitch about them all the time. There you go. That's what everybody else does, right? Yeah, it's your right. All right, that's mute. That's on Netflix if you want to give it a look, but I wouldn't recommend it. Let's move on and talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. Uh, I think I'll start it off this week. Saw Annihilation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, the new Alex Garland. You may remember him from doing Ex Machina a couple years ago. Uh, this one, uh, I didn't. I don't think I liked it as much as Ex Machina, but this is really good. Uh Highly recommend checking out Annihilation. I was worried about it just because of the the time frame when it's coming out. I was like, man, I don't know. I really hope it's going to be good, but there there was some hesitation in there, and especially like the the Netflix thing where they're they're releasing it internationally. I was like, ugh, I don't know. Well, I'm very happy to say that it it turned out really really uh, really good. Great performances across the board. Uh, some of the best visuals. Uh, the holy shit. The uh, when they go into so so the premise of of the movie is that there's this mysterious um, sort of dome that appears, and they it's called Area X, and anything that goes into the dome doesn't really come out. So they don't know what's going on inside of it. And they send several expeditions in and only one person ever came out and he had like no recollection of anything. He just, he didn't know how he got there. He didn't know anything. Uh, and they send in a, another expedition. This time it's all scientists. So before they were sending in like military people, and now this is like a group of all scientists. So it's like Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Gina Rodriguez, Tessa Thompson. Uh, and they go in to see what's going on inside of this dome because it's actually getting bigger. And it's sort of like they think it's like sort of consuming everything around it or inside of it rather. So they go in and it turns out that it's sort of everything inside of the dome is sort of like remapping the cells in all of the living um, organisms that are inside of it. So you have these like kind of crazy mutated creatures and plants. And then like, as, as they, as soon as they enter, like they start to experience some really weird things happening to them. Like they're losing time and it, sort of a it sort of goes from there 
more of a it's it's definitely sci-fi but it, it leans heavily towards horror as well there's a lot of horror elements to it this is based on a really popular book series um yeah. and it's it's awesome uh, the the again the visuals are incredible some of the like plants and trees and and creatures that they come across are just stunning i mean like i I expected there to be um a really kind of distinct style because with ex machina that was like one of my favorite aspects of that movie was just the look of that house and like the objects within the house and everything and garland definitely takes it it this does this has a completely different aesthetic than ex machina but it's equally as detailed and sort of lush and um that that was great uh the the horror aspects of it were a bit of a surprise there's some really really intense uh scares in this there's some there's some pretty intense shit that happens and it does get pretty bloody at times there's there's some awful things that happen uh, very uh, a lot of kind of like skin crawly type moments where because it, it almost like it almost reminds me of like a body horror movie sometimes in, in some of the things that happen. But it's excellent. I would definitely recommend checking it out, going to see it in the theater. Uh, Annihilation. All right. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah I think you'll, uh, yeah, I think you'll like it. Sounds kind of up my alley. Uh, I finally got to catch up with the Florida Project. Oh yeah, yeah, we were having a little bit a, of a discussion about this on Slack. Yeah, this is a the one of the big ones from last year that I, I still haven't gotten around to seeing. So finally rectified that, that situation. Saw it. Uh, to me, in some ways, I found it better than Tangerine. And in other ways, worse. Uh, the main aspect that I thought was that uh, Sean Baker did much better with the Florida Project than he did with Tangerine was kind of like the the split character storyline type deal right. with Willem Dafoe and um, the mom and her kid, uh, Haley and Mooney. Yeah, yeah. Could- like to me, the Tangerine, that was one of the things that I, I, I thought the way that he, how he followed the, the cab driver yeah, that was and like his life. Completely agree. Yeah, was, that was, I thought that that was the, the only weak spot for me in Tangerine was exactly the pulling away Same and here. following that, the cab driver. Same here. Uh, I thought here he did that much, much better. Um, but I wish he just stuck with Willem Dafoe because I hated Haley and her kid. And I just I hated them the whole way through. And I just overall really didn't like the movie that much. I thought Willem Dafoe was great. And all of everything that involved him. But at the same time, like these, this, this character of Haley. Oh my goodness. Just awful. Like, you know, do people that make movies know that there's, that there's poor people that aren't awful? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't do I don't, exist. I don't know that she was. She was awful, dude. She was terrible. I think that she was trying to be a no, good mother. She was. There, there, you you, no, you she can wasn't. see that. There's there's certain scenes where you you can see her trying at least making once an in a while she tries. Once in a blue moon, she tries. Sure, there, but, sure. There's there's poor people that are good parents, but this isn't that story. <laughs> they're, 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 these these people aren't and, and i would say that if you want to see uh, the, her friend i can't remember her name but the the yeah ashley ashley who lived underneath of her i would say that she's a better example of that yes. she was clearly a better, better mother and a better person and even the grandma that was in the hotel or the motel next door and I just wasn't buying that, like them becoming, like she was, the Haley was so fucking terrible to her, like towards the beginning. Like she's just awful. And then there's that scene where Willem Dafoe goes, goes over to like try and help out where they, that 
the agreement that they had with the other hotels that one that was like, no, we're not honoring that anymore. And he goes over to pay it like to help. And they're like, no, we're not taking it. And he only just takes the money and leaves. So like, that's not your fucking money. He's trying to help you. Yeah. Asshole. She's, she's not the best person. That's for sure. She's awful. She's awful person. Just overall. And I like, we already kind of talked about, but that ending, holy shit, that was terrible. That just felt like that he had no idea what to do. Like the cinematography changes and that music kicks in and they just start running. Oh, I enjoyed the ending. I, I understand why people had a problem with it. The only issue I had with it was just from like a logistics standpoint. Like, how did they get in there? <laughs> like, that was well, that was my biggest question, I, but it, it didn't bother and I, me. And I think that like that had a huge impact on like swinging me because i think up until that point i was just kind of like on the fence you know what i mean i was just kind of like in the middle where there was you know i like parts of this i hate other parts of it like overall kind of kind of in the middle with it and then you know that music kicks in and she grabs her hand and they start and i was just like nope i'm done nope Mm. you sorry you 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 push that pendulum the whole way to the other side I'm out. I tapped out. And then the, just the, the way that it ended, I, I was literally sitting there and I was just like, the fuck was that? Oh. What just happened? Sorry it didn't work for you. This is my number one movie of the year. It was <laughs> it was Blake's number one movie also. Uh, but uh, it yeah. Was, it is not mine. I think if you can't, if you can't empathize or it could become attached to Mooney and her mom, then you're going to have a real problem with the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, you definitely do. I was so happy when when the the child services came. Wow. This was like good. Good. Because she shouldn't have that kid. That probably is for the best. Yes, exactly. I mean, they're living in a motel, for God's sake. it's, It's not a very conducive environment for a child. No, but uh, I mean, other people were making it, making it live in a motel and yeah, still make it work, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look at the, the grandma seemed to it's be, pretty, you know, she had the, it's probably better than, probably better than a lot of other apartments you can find. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna, we don't have to keep getting into it. There, there were a lot of things that I liked about it. A lot of very specific things like, like the, the whole the fact that the condos were right there, like these giant condos that were just completely vacant right next to this motel where all these people are forced to live together. And there were, there was just a lot of, uh, a lot of aspects of this movie that I, that I really loved. And, um, I thought Brooklyn Prince was amazing. She was pretty funny here and there. I liked it. My, I think my favorite part was when she was like, I'm going to eat, Strawberry and a raspberry together at the same time. And she goes, that's gross. That's so <laughs> gross. Like, oh, man. oh, man. Oh, man. That's gross. <laughs> uh, in the On the Blu-ray, there's a making of, and they they go, they show what they did with that with that scene, and it was it's pretty fun to watch. And she said that was the her favorite scene to shoot in the movie because they just let her eat whatever she wanted. <laughs> All right, that's the Florida Project. Kevin hates it. I love it. All right, I saw The Survivor's Guide to Prison. This came out this weekend. Uh, This is directed by Matthew Cook. He's the guy who did How to Make Money Selling Drugs, uh, which I really liked a lot uh, a few years back. This one is... it's. feels almost like a companion piece to How to Make Money Selling Drugs because it's, it's about the prison system. And as we all know, those two things are very closely tied. And he gets into a little bit of the whole um, people people getting arrested for for nonviolent crimes, and you know, getting these ridiculous sentences for for light um, drug charges and things like that. 
But what the what the movie is, if if you saw how to make money selling drugs, it was he presented it sort of like this cynical how to guide where he would go through these like bullet points and he does the same thing with this one. So it starts off it, it goes through every aspect of the the uh, criminal justice system. So it, it starts with if you get pulled over or stopped by a, an officer, like how to handle that and like what happens, what, what to do if an officer starts to get aggressive with you, um, stuff like that. And then what happens if you get arrested? What happens if you uh, end up going to county lockup? What happens if you go to trial go to prison, like all of these different things. And then once you're in prison, things to do in prison to sort of survive. And it also like the, like his previous film has this sort of cynical take on it where it it is, it is a how to guide, but also each, each of the bullet points is sort of pointing out one of the major flaws in our criminal justice system. He ends up interviewing uh, a handful of people who were wrongfully uh, accused and convicted of crimes that they didn't commit and have been previously exonerated. The one guy was in prison for 26 years for a crime he didn't commit. And, you know, it just, uh, it, it fans, it definitely fans the outrage flames for sure. Like it, it's definitely a movie that will get you angry um, I've seen a lot of documentaries and a lot of TV shows and things about our broken criminal justice system. Not a lot of new information here. There's, there's some, uh, some things that are, that were kind of interesting that, that I didn't really know about. Um, and then, so he interviews, you know, he, he also interviews some experts in various fields, like he'll, he interviews like some police officers and some detectives and some lawyers and, uh, a lot of, a lot of different people. But the main thing that he does is he interviews celebrities, um, a lot of celebrities, like a shitload. And that's kind of one of the oddest things about the movie. Like he, you can just look at, I'm not going to list all of them cause there's like 25 different celebrities uh ranging from like danny trejo to a lot he interviews a lot of rappers uh including like rizza and busta rhymes uh to to cynthia nixon for some reason and danny glover and it just seems like this kind of mishmash of like people who you're just like all right i mean i guess like they were uh, all right Sure. Why not? Um, Susan Sarandon narrates the film along with uh, Matthew Cook himself, and he interviews himself a good bit, too. Mm. And it's it's OK. It's it's an OK movie. There's there's some interesting things. It has this kind of um, in your face style that his last movie had, which is okay. It's okay. I'm okay with it. Uh, quality wise, this one didn't look quite as polished as, as his last film. And it's definitely, it's definitely messy. One of the, one of the complaints I had about how to make money selling drugs was just how, um, it, it had, it had a structure, but it felt like it would just constantly take these like detours. And it's like, okay, we're going to talk about this for right now, but we're going to come back to this later. And then we're going to sort of branch off and talked about this for a little bit, but then we're going to come back to the main topic. And this, this sort of does the same thing where it doesn't, it it has a very loose organization to it overall, not too bad. I mean, if you want to learn more about how fucked up our uh, prison system and our justice system is take a look at it. And, And one of the things that they talk about is like, you know, people, People always think like, yeah, this, it's a messed up system, but I don't need to worry. I'm I'm law abiding. I'll never be in a in a situation where I have to go through it, you know. But shit happens all the time where people end up getting getting arrested and 
charged with crimes that they didn't commit and it's it's just a it's just it's definitely something to be aware of anyway that's that's uh survivor's guide to prison i think that is out now on vod okay all right i have nothing else okay i'll blow through a couple other ones then so the lodgers this is another one that came out this weekend this is by brian o'malley uh, he did a movie called Let Us Pray that came out, I think, uh, in like 2014. Uh, I really liked Let Us Pray. It was this kind of nasty, sort of uh, nasty supernatural horror film. Very dark, very violent. Uh, the Lodgers is more of a classic gothic style horror movie. Um, it's about, it takes place in nineteen in the 1920s in Ireland. And it's about um, this brother and sister who were sort of secluded into their their family estate. This uh, this giant, this like giant mansion that's like sort of falling apart and decaying. And then they have these uh, this sort of sprawling grounds, and you learn that there's some sort of family curse, and the daughter is trying to break this curse and and leave and escape from from the house uh, but her brother sort of just accepts it he's just like all right here we go let's just do it uh i didn't i didn't really enjoy this movie it looks awesome the cinematography all of the the production design like the house itself the the grounds like all all of the environments look awesome just super detailed the the horror aspects of it so sort of the supernatural things that occurred look look pretty cool there's this like big water theme in this movie where everybody sort of looks like they're floating in water and there's just water everywhere like spewing out from everything and it looks cool it gets a little bit repetitive um but Overall, the story just didn't grab me. I thought it was pretty bland, and ultimately, this is a a forgettable one. I have a review for this up on the site. This is interesting because just like when you you said you saw the lodgers, and I pulled up here on IMDb, and kind of just looking at the cover, and it's Ireland and the storyline, everything else. That was my immediate thought. Is like this seems like this would be really forgettable mm-hmm. it seems like that it would be slow moving yeah and it'd be going for atmosphere which it might kind of get but at the end of the day it would just be forgettable yeah and that's exactly what it is <laughs> it's not good when you can go to like an for your film and just kind of look at some of the the specifics of it and kind of map it out from there yep um, I also saw November. This is a new one that came out this weekend, directed by Rainer Sarnet. It's an Estonian film, uh, shot in black and white. It's sort of a sort of a fairy tale, dark fairy tale movie. Uh, this premiered at at Tribeca last year. I wanted to see it there, but I I missed it. And, uh, but it's out now. Oh boy. This one, uh, again, really strong visuals in this one. Holy shit. This movie is gorgeous. Uh, the, the black and white is just stunning in this. Some of the, some of the scenes, I mean, this is one of these movies where you can pretty much just take any frame and hang it on your wall because it's, it's, it looks incredible. Uh, really weird like tonally this movie is just it's all over the place a lot of it is comedic there which is very strange because you look at it and you don't think this is going to be a funny movie at all but there's just a lot of goofy stuff that happens like in one scene everybody in the in the village is concerned about the plague coming so what they do to avoid the plague is take off their pants and put their pants on their head and then lay down so that the plague thinks that they have two asses and won't go near them because they have two asses. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and then the, the, <laughs> it's kind of airtight. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's a really weird movie. There's these uh, everybody in this village has these robots that do work for them. And these robots are de- the devices that are made by the villagers. And then they, they got, they get this guy to take a soul and they inject a soul into this robot. And then it becomes like their servant. And these robots, they just want to work. They just want to do work. At one point they turn a snowman into one of them, but that snowman's not happy. He He's just not happy in his life because he's a snowman and he can't really work but (laughs) it's so weird uh i don't know i mean i i didn't love it but it's definitely one worth a look yeah just i mean based on you don't get many movies like that yeah it's (laughs) Like, from what you told me about The Lodgers, that sounds, you know, kind of dime a dozen, mm-hmm. right? November, this sounds, at least, at least you have the aspect that it sounds uh, wholly unique. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing like November. You just, you won't say anything like this movie. And again, it, it's worth checking out for the, for the aesthetic alone, because it is just, it looks so awesome. This movie just looks... At one point, they do like, like the whole movie is this sort of. It has this sort of European vibe to it, like lots of like kind of static shots, and it's very very beautiful. And then like at one point, they switch to like straight up POV shot of this person attacking these people, and it's like it turns into uh, the fuck was that movie called? The 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 whole the movie that was like all in POV. Oh, the hell was that movie called? Are you talking about there was the, the action yeah, one? Yeah, whatever that one was. was. Yeah, that that one. That thing. yeah, it's just it's, so it's just it's all over the place. It's really really weird and and worth a look. So that is that movie called Hardcore Henry. There you go. Got it. The whole time in my head, the whole time in my head, I was just thinking, "Drop dead, Fred." <laughs> That's what I, <laughs> I was like. Drop dead, Fred. I know it's not drop dead, Fred, but that's all I can think of in my head right now. Uh, that's really that's really all I have um, that uh, that I can talk about right now. Let's- I think for both of us, I mean, that's a kind of a disappointing week, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean Annihilation. Uh, really... Annihilation was really the the, oh, yeah. the strong one for me. You at least have that. Yeah, you at least want to get one in there. Yeah, a week. Yeah, Annihilation yeah. was definitely the the strong one. All right, let's move on. And talk about some of uh, what's coming out in theaters this week. Got a couple big ones. Nothing I'm too interested in. We got Death Wish, and you know I saw a trailer for this. And they made him a doctor. They made him a doctor in this. Why? I don't know. Keep it. Keep him as the architect. I want to see these land surveys. I want to see him telling us about concrete and the benefits of doing concrete over other materials. That's the best part about the original one. Yeah, that's really... And why would you go with something so uninspired like doctor? He's a doctor. If you're going to change it, at least make it into They're probably going to they're probably going to have him do like use use his doctor skills to like torture people or something. And you know you know there's going to be like a scene where Bruce Willis is like I just I just cut your this your left ventricle you have 30 <laughs> seconds to tell me what a, you know that's gonna happen oh man anyway that's dumb this is dumb yeah death wish i have no no that expectations means. for no desire to see it's directed by eli roth too so i don't know we'll see i thought you were joking it, it actually is bruce 
Yeah. What the fuck is this? It's a Death Wish remake. Where were you at? I don't I don't know where I've been. Wow. Hmm. Uh, oh, that sounds awful. Yes, it does. Uh, we also have Red Sparrow. This is the uh, thriller with uh, Jennifer Lawrence as the uh, Russian spy. There, by the end of 2019, I think every single big white actress will have their standalone film of them getting to be a hit woman or assassin. Yeah. Seems like that's like that's the go-to now. This one's really not doing it for me. I'm not too interested. No, that looks bad. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we have here. It's an animated movie called Gnome Alone. Oh, yeah. You know, there's also gnomes. an animated movie called Sherlock Gnomes coming out very soon. These gnomes are... It's no, the year of the gnomes. Gnomes are taking <laughs> over. <laughs> we do it so much this year. It's going to be incredible. And we have Foxtrot coming out. This is one that uh, I've interested in yeah this is supposed to be really yeah, good i've heard nothing but amazing things about that one glad it's finally coming out got goldstone i'm not too sure what that, that is terrible just that poster alone yeah I mean, I don't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't look great no leaning leaning on some rocks with some shotguns <laughs> is do they both have shotguns yeah Okay, I'm looking at a small thumbnail. I thought the guy on the who's the guitar. <laughs> That's what I thought too. I thought that they were holding guitars too, and then I clicked on the the poster to make it bigger. Okay, they move. They, okay, they're just holding Those some. Sh- they're just holding some shotguns. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what else we have here. The vanishing of Sydney Hall. That uh, doesn't look good. Oh, Lucy. Um. That has Josh Hartnett. It does. It up. does have Josh Hartnett. Midnighters. Uh, that's a horror movie I'm somewhat interested in. Souvenir. A little uh, Isabel Hubert action. Got a movie called Ravenous. I feel like there's a lot of movies called Ravenous. I think, yeah. I would think that after a while. I think it might be a Netflix. Can't, Is that a Netflix one? You can't call it. Shouldn't be able to call your movie. Ravenous. Moratorium on Ravenous as a title. Yeah, that's a Netflix one. Oh, it's a Quebec. Uh, let's see. We have Mohawk. Uh, it's a, that's a... Actually, you know what? I think that's still under embargo. Oh. <laughs> You're never going to be able to talk no, about it. No, I'm not. Um, it's It was cut out last week, but... I like went into I like went in and talked all about it, and then I realized it was under embargo. So to cut, I it hope out. that's something that I hope that's a new running thing on the show is you wanting to mention Mohawk and then realize <laughs> it just keeps getting pushed back forever <laughs> for like three years, and then finally the embargo lifts and you forget yeah, to talk about yep. it. Well, that has happened before where like uh, there'll be a movie that we'll get like super early and then I'll watch it and have a review and then just f- forget to publish <laughs> the review. Uh, let's see what else we have here. They Remain. This is another horror movie that I'm actually uh, somewhat interested in. Got Submission. I think it's uh, one with Stanley Tucci. Eat Me. Not sure what that's about. Uh, over the course of one torturous night, a suicidal woman and a violent home intruder that saved her life test the limits of human endurance and the boundaries of forgiveness. Ooh. All right. And then we have a movie called Don't Talk to Irene. Looks like it might be a documentary. Let's see, we got on VOD this week. We got Flint Town. All right. That's a Netflix one, Flint documentary. Got the lullaby. It's a horror movie. Got Ravenous, as we previously mentioned. Midnighters, also coming out. Um, that's on Friday. Let's see. Is there? I think there might be some coming out on Tuesday. What's that? The twenty seventh. We have five doctors. Cruel summer. Hangman. 
Actors of Sound, which is a documentary about Foley artists, and then fo- and then uh, that's it. Yep, that could be interesting. Yeah, I always find Foley artists really interesting. It's a really cool. Yeah, it's a really cool job. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Let's see what we have on Blu-ray this week. Zero Dark Thirty is getting a 4K release. We've got Coco. That's the Disney Pixar one. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is getting a release. Uh, Basket Case from 1982 coming out on Arrow. If you haven't seen Basket Case, I would recommend it. It It's a bonkers movie. And it is so funny. Murder on the Orient Express. Um, mm -mm -mm. Disney's releasing Lady and the Tramp on Blu-ray. Uh, yeah i feel like they've done that before but i think they do it like every three four years yeah it's weird they open up the vault then they close the vault that's right i don't know if that's like a diamond edition might be oh man i hope so mighty joe young from 1998 getting a 20th anniversary edition I know you. I know everybody's gonna be picking that one up. Uh, Rocket Man from 1997 is also getting a 20th anniversary edition. I think we had Ryan watch that. I just love that everyone celebrates anniversaries. Like now. Ro- Rocket Man, though. Like I, that's, that's what. That's why I love it. That's why I love it. You you have like you have some of these movies that are either a just terrible or b. No one really cared about it at all. And they're still like, 20th anniversary. It's like, no one cares. Yeah, it's just weird. Uh, Hangman is coming out. That's uh, going to be a Blu-ray and VOD release. That's with Al Pacino. Looks uh, terribly generic. Nocturama is coming out on Blu-ray. That was one of my favorite movies of the year last year, so... Recommend checking that out. It's on Netflix, though, so I'd maybe yeah. just watch it on Netflix. So, yeah. yeah, I got to catch up with that one. If you were thinking of sitting down and watching me, maybe just don't do that and watch Nocturama instead. There you go. Yeah. Uh, just save your night. What do we have on Criterion this week? <clears throat> oh, we have one, and it's a period piece. Oh, boy. Tony Richardson's Tom Jones from 1963. Uh, there, yeah. All right, that's it. Period piece, uh, yeah. I, I don't know anything about it. It's got Albert Finney. Okay. That's it. All right, I, th- I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net, at filmpulsekevin. We have a minute. Take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. 